It's Thursday, October 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Happy Thursday, my friend. And a good day to you. You know what? It's not a happy Thursday because there's, mm. there's a lot of red out there in the market. The and markets look, are really volatile. Really volatile. And I think we all just need to calm down a little bit. And by we, I mean the people who are going on <laughs> television who are just seem to be setting their hair on fire. Yeah. Um, let me start today with two quotes. Uh, one from our colleague Tim Hansen at Motley Fool Funds, who wrote on Twitter, It's totally a buy signal when the Wall Street Journal goes with the stock trader with his head in his hands photo for their <laughs> front page. Uh, and a timely reminder from our colleague and Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner, Stocks go up faster than... Sorry. Stocks go down faster than they go up. But they go up more than they go down, which seems like a good reminder on a day when we're going to talk about stocks reporting earnings and all of them are down. I was going to say, yeah, we've got a trifecta of losers here. <laughs> yeah, we do. Let's start with Netflix. Uh, shares are down more than 20%. And their third quarter numbers, the one that everyone seems to be keying on is the subscriber number, which came in lower than their own forecast and I think people and again we're talking about a stock that's had a, a pretty tremendous run yeah. so it's not a cheap stock um, but it's really getting punished today it is and I mean before before everybody you know goes crazy and jumps off a cliff I mean let, remember this is not a broken business okay I mean this is just this is more of an expectations thing I think really than anything else but um, I mean it it does bring to question uh, the growth appears to be slowing. Uh, I think we would need another quarter really to to be able to kind of confirm that. But I mean, I, I would say that you know, with a company like this, if growth is slowing in subscribers, and that is the all important metric for Netflix, then you know the question becomes, uh, you know, is the stock really reflecting uh, more heady growth assumptions than, than the reality is presenting? And you know, I mean, they yeah, you you said it. I mean, they missed expectations, the numbers that they themselves forecast. And just to recap that, last quarter, they forecast about 3.7 million net additions. And of that, 1.33 million would be domestic. So, the reality was, though, that there was just a tick over 3 million new subs, uh, significantly lower than that projection. And uh, domestic subs were actually came in below 1 million, 988,000. So, that was a big miss there, too. Uh, you know, they forecast 2.36 million for the international segment, and that came in under as well, just a little bit over 2 million. Um, and then, if you look back a year ago in the same quarter, uh, it would appear that the growth is, is slowing to a degree. I mean, last year they added about 1.3 million domestic subscribers versus under under a million this year. Uh, now they they called out the, the price hike as being possibly one of those things, and I think that's a fair. That's a fair observation. I mean, I don't know that that would totally be it, though. I mean, I think it's reasonable to kind of start wondering: Is the domestic market becoming a bit more saturated? There is also a lot more competition out there now than ever before. I was just going to say, how much of what is happening today to the stock should we attribute to the fact that I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five hours before? Eight, uh, Netflix reported their third quarter results. HBO came out with an announcement, or I should say, Time Warner came out with the announcement that in 2015, 
HBO is going to launch a standalone streaming service. That's, yeah, that's got to account for at least a little bit of this. Well, I yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly a shot across the bow, and that I mean, it, you know, Reed Hastings has been very good about recognizing this long term trend towards internet TV, and really Netflix has helped blaze that trail. Um, but but HBO, uh, as he noted, has always been the leader in its space, and. You know, I mean, coming from the perspective of an HBO subscriber, I, you know, I, I really like HBO, and I, I, I'd be hard pressed to get rid of it. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, the more Netflix works to build out their own library of content, that's going to behoove them. I mean, that's going to be the right thing to do. They need to be differentiated because, you know, you don't want to just have some. Uh, some app where you can go and you can watch a couple of pieces of original content and all the crap that's on, you know, network television. Um, it, it needs to differentiate itself more and more and more, and that's what they're doing. It just it's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to take a lot of money to do that. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting to see this morning CBS announcing that they're going to offer their own streaming platform for for their channel, uh, five ninety nine per month. Um, that's obviously not. A whole heck of a lot, and if you're someone who's looking to cut the cord, well, there's another option for you to buy an a la carte channel, right? And that's basically what Netflix is too. It's an a la carte channel. Amazon Prime, same thing. HBO, same thing. So, you know, if we're moving towards this this sort of market where we're going to be able to more or less pick our own channels that we like, I mean, I tend to agree with Hastings in saying that a lot of a lot of these these players are going to benefit from this movement. Um, you know, I think just with with Netflix, I mean, it it is one of those things where it's it's hitting a new stage of its of its growth cycle. It may be slowing down a little bit. Uh, they are spending a lot of money on content. They have uh, close to nine billion in, con- in in content obligations today. So, in order for that stock price to be justified, they're going to need to demonstrate continued growth in subscribers, and that's really we're going to find out a lot more next quarter. Um, with their projections, because it was interesting to see they're projecting adding four million total subscribers for this coming quarter. Last year, it, it was more than four million. So again, an indication that maybe the growth is slowing. Well, and you mentioned expectations, and I think this is one of those stocks that hopefully, if you are a shareholder or a prospective shareholder, you have the right expectation about what this stock is and yeah. what is it because this is not the first time it has done this no there have been a, a bunch of times where it has dropped this much in a single day and it has rebounded so if you look at it over time you know this is one of those stocks that long-term shareholders have been rewarded but hopefully they are investors <laughs> with strong stomachs because they're you know this is this is not the first day they've had like this this is probably not going to be the last day i want to ask you one question about Hastings, because I think he, I think he, increasingly does a good job of um, communicating uh, both to Wall Street and to uh, consumers. Uh, here's a quote uh, from Reed Hastings: For the prior three quarters, we underforecasted membership growth. This quarter, we overforecasted membership growth. We will continue to give you our internal forecast for the current quarter, and it will be high some of the time and low other times. Uh, I'm not a Netflix shareholder. I appreciate this type of candor. I just like seeing this type of candor from CEOs. But I'm wondering if it is if there's someone on the board at Netflix who is maybe pulling him aside and saying, "Hey, here's an idea. Stop forecasting members." Or is that is that genie out of the bottle? Is that something that They've done this. They can't. They can't stop now. Would they get punished in some way by institutional investors? I'm sure they probably would in some capacity. Uh, but you know, I mean, that is one of the questions that I walked away from this quarter with. Is 
I mean, a reasonable question for an investor to answer is, hey, why don't you just stop forecasting altogether? I mean, because, I mean, who who does it really serve, right? Who does that really serve? And it, it really, you know, it serves it serves more or less the analysts who are putting targets on the stock price and, and uh, who are certainly more short term focused than we are here. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I could see a lot of benefits to just not forecasting um, the the subscriber editions. They did at one point here, uh, maybe maybe a year and a half, two years ago, they stopped reporting. I believe it was churn and subscriber acquisition costs, yeah. and so you know there were some questions as to whether that would really be received well. And I don't, I don't believe they were punished. I was just going to uh, say, my, my memory of that is that there was some grumbling in yeah. the media for about a day. Right, well, it was an issue. Right, it was a nice headline for a day, and I think that's you know that's that's what everybody's looking for in this line of work. You know, mm-hmm. is the next headline, and so Netflix is a great headline today, but. You know, I mean, this this has proven to be a very resilient business. It's not like it's something that's going away. They still have a very loyal following, loyal subscriber base, and and you know, Reed Hastings is a member focused CEO, and and so when you have someone who's really focused on the customer, uh, you, you want to pay attention to that. I mean, I think a good example is the European growth strategy. There's some some additional VAT taxes involved there that uh, we're going to crimp profitability in the European expansion, but. You know Netflix, and I think rightly so. They said, "Listen, we're not going to pass that on to the consumer. Okay, that's a cost of our doing business, and we're going to figure out a way to work that in our model. But we're not going to pass that cost along to the uh, to the consumer." I mean, I just think now you have to. The question really becomes, you know, is is growth slowing, and if it is. Uh, you know how much pricing power does this company actually really have? Because if pricing uh, becomes a real issue, then they are going to be kind of stuck with this value point that they have now for a while, and that that could be a problem given the the pace of spending on on uh, content. Third quarter results for eBay looked pretty good, but they lowered guidance for the fourth quarter, and on a day like today. Guidance trumps results, uh, maybe more so than it would if the market was soaring and shares of eBay down around six, seven percent this morning. Yeah, two strikes against eBay here, really. Number one is PayPal is leaving, right? And then uh, number two is the growth in in the marketplace segment of the business was slower than than expected, and that's that's the biggest uh, money maker in the business. It brings in the most in sales, most in operating profit. Uh, you know, they did they did. Bring in significantly uh, more active buyers. I mean, they have 152 million active buyers now versus 124 million a year ago. Uh, they are seeing a little margin pressure there. I know they got it down with some concerns here for the holiday season. I'll be interested to see Amazon report and see if there's any kind of a juxtaposition there or a sort of a difference in perception there with the um, with with the upcoming holiday season. You know, I, eBay. eBay is not not a company that that interests me terribly on its own. I mean, I think if you gave me the choice between PayPal or eBay, I would take shares in PayPal. Uh, but you know, I mean, eBay is it's an e-commerce platform that's playing into just a super long-term trend that is really uh, just in its infant stages. So I suspect eBay will will probably do okay. But yeah, it, it wasn't that great of a quarter, and guidance going forward wasn't all that great either. And on a day like today, the market's gonna. Look the other way. I'm a long-term eBay shareholder, but once they announced that they were going to spin off PayPal, eBay moved to sort of the proverbial. Okay, this is now on the list of stocks that not necessarily I'm going to sell, but it's it's sort of my. Uh, I I guess it's we talk about watch lists. Yeah. And I always think of a watch list in terms of like, well, I've got a, a list of stocks that I'm thinking about buying, but I think that mm-hmm. it's also worth having. An internal like, oh, these are the stocks in my portfolio that I'm watching for sell signals, and uh, and eBay is one when 
when the spin-off is complete, that's the one that I'm going to try and take a good hard look at the marketplace business and decide, okay, is there a better place for my money? And I would encourage all investors to do something like that, because really, that's a great way to have a plan on raising um, capital if you need you know, when you want to deploy it into better ideas. And really, that's, you know, you're going to sell for a number of different reasons. Either the thesis is busted, uh, the company is busted, or perhaps there's a better place for your money. Maybe your money is doing just fine here, but maybe there's a better place for you to put it. Um, so, keeping a list of sort of those priority cells is, is a nice way to kind of keep your mind in the present and, uh, and have a, a strategy in, in raising some cash if you, if you need to. Third quarter profits for Mattel fell 22%. And while there are a lot of different toys that Mattel sells, I think it's fair to say that the blame falls squarely on the very narrow shoulders of Barbie. (laughs) Uh, Barbie sales down 21% in Q3. This is after a 15% drop in Barbie sales in the second quarter. That is a trend as we now head into the holiday quarter. If you're the CEO of Mattel, you know what job number one is heading into the holiday quarter. I mean, obviously, it's an important quarter in general, but this is now a trend they have got to reverse. Well, and it's going to be really difficult for them to do that. There are a few problems here for Mattel, and I think it's a bit more troublesome than just one quarter would uh, have you believe. I mean, yeah, you know, Mattel's having issues with Barbie, having issues with American Girl. Um, you know, an American Girl is a significantly higher price point, so I get that. I mean, that's I have one daughter who wanted an American Girl for her birthday, and I mean, I remember looking at the catalog thinking you could have spent five hundred dollars easily. <laughs> yeah, you know, easily. Uh, and and by the way, that might be a turnaround point for them, or sort of one of the potential bright spots in the holiday quarter, uh, because when I think about my daughters, I think the American Girl dolls that they got once upon a time were. Uh, Christmas gifts. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it may be the sort of thing where um, those sales will pop in Q4. Yeah, it's possible. I tell you, the, the thing that really concerns me with Mattel now is the news that just came out a few weeks ago with uh, Disney basically, you know, severing ties with with Mattel and defecting on over to Hasbro. And so uh, they, they there was a twenty year relationship there where Disney uh, and and Mattel worked together, and Mattel got to. Put out all of those Disney dolls, the princess dolls, and take advantage of really just a, tr- a tremendous brand and Disney and the characters that they have. That's no longer. I mean, that's getting ready to change sides here. That's hundreds of millions of dollars that that Mattel is going to lose here, and that Hasbro is going to gain. And you know, a lot of this is is playing off the success of Frozen. And I know that something maybe a Frozen. It was. It, it's after this year is over, it'll be done. You know, not so fast. I mean, I they're, they're, I think I hear something about an off-Broadway musical or something. Uh, you know, they're going to build it. They have another Frozen short film coming out here in 2015. I think with the release of their Cinderella movie, they're going to keep releasing Frozen movies. That, that's just another oh, yeah. big, big treasure chest of characters, and uh, and so I think that Hasbro stands to benefit very nicely from this, and consequently, Mattel I think is going to be feeling a lot of pressure on that top line. And uh, you know, for me, this this is this is something that is is it reaches further than just one quarter. I, I would be really really careful with Mattel at this point. Let me ask you something that I asked Bill Barker yesterday, uh, because uh, like Bill, you look at the retail industry. Do you have any sense for what the holiday quarter is shaping up to be? Um, it, it seems like I don't know. Bill, Bill felt reasonably bullish on it, in part because of the strong dollar, in part because of the general state of the economy. It does seem, though, that 
just as was the case last year and the year before, there are individual companies. Obviously, Mattel is one of them. Um, they're not a retailer per se, but certainly they are depending on a strong holiday season. Um, is there any sense you get of what kind of quarter this is shaping up to be for the retail industry? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that companies like Mattel and even Hasbro are probably going to face some some challenges here. And I think part of that is is because the 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 toys a toys life cycle is is so much shorter now and kids are getting out of those those physical toys at such a younger age and getting into sort of the device world that we have now so i'm I, every every christmas every holiday season you're looking for this what's the device of the year you know we talk a lot about gopro and that being a big opportunity you probably find a few of those under the tree and and i think that you see amazon obviously doing a good job releasing all of these different price point kindles now and they have a kindle for you know kids specifically with a nice cover on it that, that you know it's a shock absorbing it's, cover it's, it's indestructible it is it's indestructible <laughs> and what's even what's even more is they have a 2 year warranty on this thing so if you buy this thing for your kid and he breaks it the next day you send it back and they give you a new one so i mean as a parent you're thinking well wow that and, and it's you know 150 dollars you know, I, I look at that and I think, well, that's that could be like a leapfrog killer. You know, what I mean, I think Leapfrog is a company that's really had a lot of trouble here. And you know, personally, I don't see any reason why it should turn around when you have all of these other device makers out there, you know, playing that hardware game that basically is kind of a, run, a race to the bottom because they can rely on you know all of the content that goes on those devices, right? I mean, that's that's what Apple and Amazon are so good at doing, and uh, I think Apple is getting ready to introduce some new uh, iPads here. So, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good holiday season for the usual suspects, but I think that your traditional toy makers like Mattel, like Hasbro, I think they're going to face uh, potentially, you know, some, some headwinds, not just this holiday season, but for seasons to come, because it's just that, that whole that whole dynamic is changing now. I mean, the, the kids are just they're, they're cycling through those toys at such a younger age that, uh, you know, that's that's why you see them steering towards that digital strategy. They're doing it. It's just you know, it's 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 a bit different for them because you have a physical Barbie. Well, is is a digital Barbie going to be just as good? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't play with Barbies, but I <laughs> got to believe that maybe the kids are going to be thinking about something else. <laughs> Let me mention David's quote one more time, just as a reminder, because it's a good reminder as we head into the weekend. Stocks go down faster than they go up, but they go up more than they go down. Again, a good reminder on a day when. There are a few people on Wall Street setting their hair on fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of David Gardner, let me mention again, Motley Fool Stock Advisor, our flagship service. Um, you can check out a special offer just by going to marketfoolery.fool.com, or just text the word FOOL to 38470. That's 38470. Text the word FOOL, and we'll send you a link to get 75% off Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Jason Moser. Have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks, man. You too. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.